Well, good morning again. My name is Joe Matthews. I have the privilege of serving here as the executive pastor, and we are super excited about all of our teaching this year. We've been journeying through the life of Jesus, and we've been looking at what it looks like to live the life of Jesus. That's our word for the year, live the life. And we've been recently in the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' famous teaching, and we've been having a great time there. We're learning so much. Last week, Pastor Tony, he shared um, about six ways to shine brighter and taste better. If you missed that, that is a very intriguing line, and so I know you're already interested to hop online, jump on YouTube or our podcast, give it a listen, re-listen, share it with your community. It's so good and so powerful. But we are in the Sermon on the Mount, and I get the opportunity to share a passage of Scripture that is near and dear to my heart. So I'm very excited to dive in with you today. And I want to give you the title of our message this morning. The title is Why Worry? Why Worry? If I had to boil this entire sermon down into one sentence, it would be this. Worry ain't worth it. (laughs) Why worry? Worry ain't worth it. You know, it reminds me of something my father said when I was growing up. He said that worry is like paying interest on a debt that doesn't come due. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but that's so powerful. What does it mean? It means that worry is a moving target. It's a waste of time. How many of you know that, that worry is like quicksand to our soul? You know how it is with quicksand. It's, it's more you move, the more you struggle, the more you try, the deeper and the faster you seem to sink. It's the same with the trap of worry. You know, I love this phrase, this quote, that where we worry the most is where we tend to trust God the least. Where we worry the most is where we tend to trust God the least. And so I want to start with a story for you. The year was 2017. I was still working in the marketplace, and I was tasked with finding some professional development for myself. My boss asked me to find something, and I didn't want to do a boring conference or a seminar where I was going to be trapped inside for days on end. So I did what any other normal person would do, and I found a 12-hour, through-the-night, civilian simulation of the Navy SEALs Hell Week. I thought, surely this will be better than a seminar. The idea behind this was to forge mental toughness and physical effort. And so I thought to myself, this is great. This is what we're going to do. So I signed up and I dove right in. You know, I worked out and I trained for this event. I went all in and I was stronger than I had ever been. And I felt uh, better than I had ever felt. And, you know, I felt strong. I felt like I looked strong. You'd have to kind of check with my wife back five years ago. My memory of how good I looked might have gotten fuzzy since then. But I felt like I looked good and I felt like I was strong. And that's saying a lot because I was coming off of a number of years of running back-to-back-to-back marathons and I had this wiry frame. So I put on a bunch of muscle and I felt super strong. And I was training for six months, getting prepared for this event. And so game on. What was beautiful about this time in my life that I had thought was that I had learned between marathons and training for this event that whatever I put my mind to, my body could do. And I proved to myself time and time again that whatever I wanted to do, my body could do. So game on, I get on a plane and I fly to beautiful Southern California. It's where this event is held. And I get on the plane and fly out there. My body is ready. My mind is ready. My gear is prepped. And I'm so excited. And, you know, you can see these pictures up here. I mean, look at... I don't know if people still take photos like that. I... (laughs) I pulled it from my MySpace, and uh, 
you know, but just the documentation that I actually did it. And so I get in, in and ready to go. And we're just a bunch of random strangers in a random parking lot at sunset meeting up. We have no idea what's ahead of us. No idea. I mean, you could piece together bit by bit from little blogs you'd find online about like what this next 12 hours is going to look like. We knew that there was going to be a lot of workouts. We knew that there'd be things like mountain rucks through the night and there'd be heavy log carries and buddy carries, uh, ice bath plunges. We were going to be doing plank holds and all sorts of ridiculous things, tough things. It was going to be difficult. We knew that we were going to be doing the CrossFit workout Murph, which if you're familiar with any of that, that's one of the most popular and most difficult workouts. And so why not add that to the mix? Just 12 hours of just straight suffering, just mental and physical (laughs) toughness. So the seals arrive, and man, we are all freaking out. On the inside, we're just all acting so brave and so strong, and on the inside, we're freaking out. And we see the seals coming towards us, and these are some bad and tough-looking men and women, and we are just like, what is in store? So here we go. The one thing that we did know is that the event started with a physical fitness uh, test. It was a qualifier to prove that you'd done the work to be able to be there, that you qualified and, and met the standard. And so the first thing that we do is we go and we do this physical fitness test. It's, it's stuff like the pull-ups and the sit-ups. It's, it's squats and push-ups and a mile-and-a-half run. And so we have to, have to prove we're ready to go. And so without further ado, we dive right in. You know, and I, I do the pull-ups, and I meet the standard, no problem. Do the push-ups, meet the standard, no problem. I don't know that I could meet the standard today, but I did then. That's the important part. And so I met the standard. And did I tell you that while we're doing all of this, trying to do pull-ups, trying to do push-ups, sit-ups, all of this stuff, you've got these men and women who are spraying you in the face with water from hoses, screaming and shouting and trying to break you down. I remember hearing, you think you're tough because you have tattoos? You're not tough. And at that moment, I thought, that conference, that conference sounds so good right now. (laughs) So I go through, do the sit-ups, it's fine, meet the standard. And then it comes time for the squats. And out of all of these things, I've been doing squats forever. I could do squats in my sleep, I thought. And so, you know, it's the, the down and up, down and up, that sort of thing, which is exceedingly harder in these pants than it was back then. But I was like, okay, game on, easy peasy, squats, I've got this. And something interesting happened. Something I had never experienced before started to happen. I'm doing the squats, and my hearing gets a little muted. Squat, down, up. My vision gets to be darker and darker and starts to tunnel. And some of you guys know where this is going. I'm doing the squats, and I start to stumble. I start to fall backwards, and I start to knock into people around me, and everyone's like, dude, get off me. And so... I'm like, what is going on? I I was starting to pass out. And they yanked me from the line, and they sent me to the medic tent. And they were like, hey, we got to get checked out. And they're like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. This has never happened before. And they're asking me all sorts of questions. But long story shorter, they basically kicked me out of the program. They say, you can't continue. If your body is doing this right now, we can't guarantee your safety throughout the rest of the night. You're too much of a liability, and so you're done. And I remember thinking, what on earth? I was shocked. I was like, this isn't even a full hour, and I'm already out of this program. I trained for six months. What on earth? And so I was in shock, and I was devastated, and I walked back to my rental car in that random parking lot. And I was sitting there, and then in that moment, I did what any normal person from Tyler, Texas, would do at 1030 at night in California. I went to (laughs) In-N-Out. 
The Lord met me at In-N-Out. But I'm sitting there and I'm just shocked and devastated. I mean, my whole community knew I was going to California. They knew I was going to be doing this event. I'd left my family. I'd gotten on a plane. I spent the money and all of a sudden I'm out. I couldn't do it. And what's crazy is that I had so much trust and so much reliance in what my body could do. And then at that moment, the thing that I had the most trust and confidence in, it failed me. And it sent me into this tailspin. It started me on a very long, several-month wilderness journey of worry and anxiety and fear. You know, the things that I loved to do, exercise and work out, I wouldn't allow myself to do. I wouldn't allow myself to have an elevated heart rate because I was so worried this was going to start happening again. I was worried that I was going to start passing out, that this was an indicator that there was something wrong with my health, that I was going to just walk into a gym one day and just drop dead, something like that. And I was just not myself. You know, I was shaken and I was in bad shape. I was worried. You know, there's more to that story and we're going to get there later. But today we want to look at and we want to talk about the warning signs of worry. We're going to talk about where worry hits in our lives. How do we get there? We're going to talk about what are some of these warning signs. And then when we are in these places of worry, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? When I think about worry, I can't think of a better passage of scripture than Matthew chapter 6. And that's where we're going to be. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6. And this, this section here has some big teaching points. It's where you see things like where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. It's where Jesus says you can't serve God and money. And so we want to see what Jesus has to say about worry. And we're going to read it starting in verse 25. Let me read this to you, a couple of verses here. Matthew 6, 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? And we want to talk about where worry hits in our lives. For a lot of us, Worry hits in our health. I mean, that's the story that I was just telling. That's my seal fit experience. Whether it's a real diagnosis or a potential diagnosis, whether it's declining health or a family history or predisposition, we worry and we begin to worry about our health. For some of us, it's our relationships. You know, it's the, the husband that feels more like a roommate than a spouse. It's the prodigal child or the rebellious teen. It's the, the in-laws who feel more like outlaws every Thanksgiving when you have to see them. In our relationships, we begin to worry. And certainly, certainly know this is the case in our finances. I mean, you know the drill. Right now, things are crazy expensive. Your grocery budget's blown. Your car's getting older. Repairs are more and more frequent. Savings account balance is just dropping and dropping. And you begin to worry. 
You know, no matter where worry hits, we have to understand how we get to those places of worry in our lives. We've got to understand what is it that we are putting our faith and our trust in? What is our security in? What is our confidence in? What is our perspective? We have to ask all of these questions. And in my seal fit story for me, I was trusting in what my body could do. I was trusting and relying in myself to the point of detrimental self-reliance. I think some of us can relate with that. You know, either we trust and we depend on God or we're going to trust and depend on worry. And that's where we get to with our warning signs, our warning signs of worry. Now, I want to tell you a warning sign is exactly what it sounds like. It's an indicator light on the dash of your heart and your soul. It's an indicator that something more is going on, something more is going on under the surface. And these are not by any means the most exhaustive warning signs of worry. You might have a specific one that's not listed, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you get a pass from addressing your warning sign. But I'm going to suggest a few today. And I want to let you know that one is usually more dominant in your life than another. And so we have to press in and figure out what is our warning sign of worry. The first one I want to share is anger. The first warning sign of worry is anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it means that anger is a result of something else brewing and bubbling under the surface. It's the fear and the guilt. It's the shame. It's the exhaustion, the fatigue, the insecurity. It's the loneliness. It's the unmet expectations in your life. I want to suggest that worry is a result and a product of festering anger. For us, when we worry, I think that anger, it, it tells me, you know, when you're angry, it's telling me that you're worried about something. And we just have to press in and understand what is lying under the surface. I love how one psychologist says this about anger. They say it's easier to be angry then face the deeper realities of where the anger comes from. Anger helps us feel in control when we're out of control. So for you, maybe you're prone to huffing and puffing and cussing under your breath at everything in your life, and you're just stewing and brewing is my favorite way to say, why are you so angry? I'm just stewing and brewing. And I want to ask, are you going to get anywhere productive with your anger? Anger tells me that you're worried about something. The next warning sign that I want us to look at is discontentment. You know, when we are not content with what the Lord has placed before us, the places that we're in, the things we've been entrusted to, as we're looking to constantly compare or look for better, if we believe that things will be better if this, or things will be better when that, all of that makes us veer towards discontentment. And I don't know if you realize it, but we are fighting a contentment battle in our lives each and every day. I love what scripture says in Proverbs 4. It says, above all else, guard your hearts, for out of your heart is everything that you do. So that's a command to guard your heart. In Philippians 4, we see another command. It's, it's what? It's don't be anxious or don't worry. Later on in verse 7, what it says is that the peace of God will guard what? Our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. 
So if I want to pair in the promise of these scriptures and I'm told to guard my heart, well, I can't guard my heart in my own self-reliance, in my own self-dependence. I can't do it on my own. But what will guard my heart? The peace of God. I want to suggest if you are dealing with and struggling with and a warning sign for you is discontentment, the only way to guard your heart against discontentment is the peace of God. Discontentment, it tells me that you're worried about something. I want to give you this last warning sign. And again, maybe you're not one of these three. Figure out which one you are. But this last warning sign of worry is control. Control was 100% mine in my seal fit story. It's mine if I'm not careful in my finances. You know, our entire existence is manufactured to make us believe that we're actually in control. How many of you realize that is a very flimsy house of cards? Now, here's the reality that I had to learn specifically for myself and that you've had to learn in your lives or that you might still need to learn. God is God and we are not. That's tough, isn't it? I think most of us would prefer for things to always feel settled. There's peace and safety and security in feeling settled. But to all my control freak friends out there, I promise I'm right there with you. Sometimes the only certainty in life is uncertainty. That makes it hard to get used to something like that. We can either spin our wheels trying and trying to stay in control, or we can find peace And we can find rest, surrendering and knowing that nothing surprises God. You know, the need for control, it tells me that you're worried about something. I love what Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8 says about man's control compared to God's control. Check this out. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one whose trust is in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland, and they will not see prosperity when it comes. They'll dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Check this. But blessed is the one whose trust is in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Doesn't fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green, and it has no worries in the year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. And we can choose parched and wasteland places, or we can choose peace and blessing and no fear by trusting in the Lord. So these worries, these warning signs, you know, anger and discontentment and control, these are all warning signs we have to pay attention to. We have to pay attention to what's going on under the surface. Warning signs signal something more is going on. They also signal that something worse can be up ahead if we don't press in. They indicate that worry is happening, and we have to understand, how do we get to worry? What are our warning signs? And then we want to talk about for a little bit, well, what do we do when we actually worry? What do we do when we get there? Oh, I love how the NASB has this heading in this passage of Scripture. It says, the cure for anxiety. The cure for anxiety, the cure for worry, that's so good. That's something that we all need. And it starts in verse 33, Matthew 6, 33, and I want to read it to you. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. 
Today's trouble is enough for today. So this cure, this cure for worry, this cure for anxiety, what is it? What do we do? These are Jesus' words. And we see first, he says literally first, seek first the kingdom of God. That is a kingdom mindset. That's choosing God's perspective. That's understanding that I have to choose and listen to the truth of what God says about my circumstance and my scenario before I allow any other inputs, any other voices to be dictating my thoughts and my actions. What's the truth of God's word? What are the promises in God's word? We seek first God's kingdom and then we live righteously. What does that mean? Live righteously is putting to death and dying to self each and every day. Those things that we were talking about, the anger, the discontentment, the control. It's being in tune with the Holy Spirit and understanding what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. It is called to live righteously. I love what Psalms 37, 25 says. It says, I have been young and now I'm old, and yet I have not seen the righteous Abandon. That is a great promise. So we seek first the kingdom and we live righteously. And then what do we see from this passage? What does Jesus say? He will give you everything you need. Give you everything you need. Might not be everything that we want, but it's everything that we need. <coughs> Staying in Psalm 37, a few verses earlier, we see a passage of scripture that you've probably heard before. It's delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you've been around Soma for any length of time, you've heard Pastor Tony talk about this, and I love what, what we say about this passage of Scripture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Does that mean that if I do everything right, the Lord will give me what I want? Or does that mean that the more and more I delight myself in the Lord, the more and more of what I want begins to look what God, like what God wants? His perspective becomes my perspective. And the things that I desire then become a reality. He will give us everything we need. And then finally, the very last part of this, the very last part of this cure is do not worry. I mean, Jesus literally says, do not worry. He asks, he says, focus on today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough trouble. But focus on today. Why do you have such little faith? It's a very convicting question when he asks, why do you have such little faith? But when we think about it, it takes a lot of humility to not plan ahead, to not live in the future, to not, not be over in tomorrow, worried about tomorrow. It takes a lot of humility to stay in today. But scripture says that God gives grace to the humble. We can press into that humility knowing we have grace for it. God also says, scripture also says that there are new morning mercies each and every day, not for tomorrow, not for seven to 10 days from now, but for today. His mercies are new each day. And every day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today is tough enough. Well, there's this saying that I love. It's a little complicated, but when you, when you understand it, it makes perfect sense. It's this. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. You know, you remember I had said that there was more to my seal fit story, so here it is. Remember, I had flown back, and I'm living now in a several-month-long season of worry and fear and anxiety. 
I'm not doing the things that I love anymore because I'm worried that something wrong, something's wrong with me, that there's a greater issue, a greater diagnosis waiting, that I'm not going to be around forever to live with and take care of my family. And I wouldn't do these things that I loved. I was fearful. I was anxious. I was worried. You know, I didn't realize that a lot of what I was actually experiencing in that season was related to 18 months plus of a lot of trauma and loss after loss after loss in our family, in our immediate family. And we had gone through a very tough season of loss with my family, and, and we had uh, infertility issues, and we had miscarriages and loss. And so there's just a lot of unresolved things in my spirit that are starting to, to come to the surface now in this season. And so I was convinced, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I am going to figure out what's wrong with me, which, by the way, that is never uh, the, the right approach to take. Is like, I'm just going to figure this all out. I, I don't need you, Lord. I'm going to figure it out on my own. And so I start going through all of this journey to figure out what was going on. And I, I did some crazy things. I mean, I did a, a full heart health workup at the old ETMC, which is now UT Health. I did all of these tests. I'm strapped up to these wires, all these graphs, all these things, because I'm thinking that there's something wrong with my heart. I'm thinking there's something, there's got to be something wrong with me. I'm about to drop dead at any moment the second I work out, because one time, many months ago, I almost started to pass out. <laughs> Something's got to be wrong. And so I do these heart workups, and I remember, I remember the, the doctor, he comes in, and he's going over the results, and he's like, why are you here? He's like, I was in my late 20s. I mean, I'm sure I was 50 years younger than anyone else he had seen that day. He's like, why are you here? Go eat some bacon. And I'm just like, all right, I guess I won't listen to you. You're not answering my question. You're not giving me the answer I'm looking for. And so I do what anyone would do. I ignore that doctor. I go and I schedule another exam. I, I schedule a final EKG. And remember... This is all because several months ago, not actually passing out, but I almost passed out. I go and I get this EKG. A cardiologist comes in. It's like, son, you are perfectly healthy. And so after two doctors and plenty of insurance, I thought, okay, I'll listen. I said, okay. I said, but let me ask you this. Can I work out? And he goes, of course you can work out. Working out is good for your heart. And I said, Okay. All right, fair enough, but how hard can I work out? And I remember, I'll never forget, he's walking out of the office, and he turns around, and he looks at me, and he goes, I don't know until you're ready to pass out. <laughs> In that moment, that was the Lord just closing the circle of self-reliance, and I remember thinking, all right, Lord, I'm listening. What do you have to say about this? It was very humbling. And seriously, though, I learned in that season I'm not in control, that worry wasn't worth it. And so you might be asking, well, what did you actually do then that actually helped? And I'll tell you. It wasn't going to this doctor and paying for this test and looking for that fix. What actually helped was reading and declaring over myself and over my mind and my heart passages of Scripture about fear and worry and anxiety. It was believing the words that, that Scripture is saying the promises that we have in Jesus over that area of my life. It was focusing on praise and worship. You know, I would turn my attention towards gratitude. Rather than fear and worry, I would turn my attitude and my perspective towards praise. You can't change your thoughts, but you can replace your thoughts. 
And I did that with what I called in that season my praise and worship IV drip. I would always have a song playing of some sort. I wouldn't allow myself a quiet moment because I knew that if I was allowing myself that opportunity to have that thought, I would be thinking something fearful and anxious and worried. Instead, I said, well, why don't I just listen to truth? And so I put on praise and worship in the car, in my office, in my home. And it was purposeful. It was purposeful. And all of this, it shifted my perspective from needing to be in control to realizing that I was covered by the Lord. Didn't need to be in control anymore. I'd already been covered. You know, at the tail end of this wilderness season, the Lord healed me and restored me. And I'll, I'll never forget, we were, my wife and I, we were at a Gateway Church Kairos event, which is like a freedom event. So powerful. And I remember clear as day. I mean, we were four plus months into this wilderness season, but really a year and a half past a lot of this loss and trauma and grief that we were needing to deal with. And I remember in that, that room that day, Pastor Olin Griffin, who a lot of you know who that is in this room, He was teaching, and he read over the room, Ecclesiastes 3. And I want to read a small portion of that just to share what happened in that moment. Ecclesiastes 3, it says, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. When he read that last line, a time to tear down and a time to build up, I realized that in this season, the Lord had been tearing me down physically and emotionally and really mentally to build me back up spiritually. When he read that line, a time to tear down and a time to build up, something in my spirit broke loose. And it was in that moment that that the Lord healed me and restored my faith and restored my trust and restored my confidence in him. You know, he read that line, and what was so powerful in that is that as he read that line, the Lord gave me such a sweet and specific promise, and then a few weeks later, we found out that we were pregnant with our first son, Leo, and it was just an incredible, incredible testimony of the Lord's faithfulness, and the Lord's goodness, and what it looks like to press into him being in control and us not depending on ourselves. But why do I tell you all that? I, I don't tell you it because I'm perfect. I, I don't tell you it because you, you got to follow it the exact way that I did it. I'm just telling you because I lived it. You know, and this cure that Jesus talks about in verse 33, this cure, it doesn't happen by accident. It's not something we just fall into. We have to choose to have discipline to do the hard things, to have faith and have dependence on God. It requires discipline. I love this saying that if dependence is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. If dependence is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. We've got to get honest. Where's our trust? Where's our hope? Where's our security? Where's our confidence? We've got to look at what are these warning signs of worry and how do I get to deeper places of worry? And then we've got to acknowledge that when we are in those places of worry, there is a cure. We press in. We ask the Holy Spirit for help and have a willingness to press in to understand that in these seasons of worry, the Lord, he's trying to draw out truth. He's trying to, to shed light into your scenario and your circumstance. And we just have to be able to realize and recognize what the Lord is trying to teach us in each of these moments. But I think what's interesting is a lot of us, we don't like to get honest. We don't like to get quiet. 
We don't like to get honest because we know we're not going to like the answers. But in this moment, in this, this dependence posture, it requires us pressing in, asking the Holy Spirit for help, and knowing and realizing what the Lord is trying to teach us in these moments. Maybe in your marriage crisis, your financial struggle, your, your relational battle, what is the Lord trying to draw out? What is the Lord trying to teach you? Maybe it's a conviction about where you really have your trust and you really have your confidence. It's where is it that you find true peace and true rest and true security? And the Lord wants to do work in your heart to repair those places of self-reliance, and we have to press in. You know, when I say worry is a waste of time, I want to be clear. What that isn't is me minimizing your pain, your suffering, and your story. What that is is me suggesting that rather than spend time and energy and frustration on worry, our time and our energy is better spent pressing in to what the Lord says about our circumstance, what the Lord says about our scenario, understanding the promises and the truth of his word, rather than relying on ourselves, relying on our mindsets to make sense, we press into God. Maybe there's sin issues in your life that need repentance. You know, maybe you have not been delighting yourself in the Lord and pressing into the Lord and drawing close to the Lord. What is he trying to show you in these seasons? You see promise after promise after promise all throughout Scripture. And I love it. I'm going to give you three promises, three truths that I love in Scripture. The first one is found in James. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What do we do in these seasons of worry? What do we do in these seasons of doubt? Well, if we draw near to the Lord, he will draw near to us. Psalm 16, it says that the Lord goes before us. He's beside us and he's behind us. That means his protection is with us. When we press in, he is with us and he is for us. I also love what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. I mean, this has got to be one of the first verses everyone learns as a kid in church. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll what? He'll direct your path. Press in. Focus on a kingdom mindset. Where is our peace? Where is our safety? Where is our security? And do you believe and trust Jesus' words that we literally are reading right here? Jesus' words. Remember, he says, do not worry. I'm telling you, worry is a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Not worrying, though, it doesn't mean that things are going to be easy, that you're not going to have difficulty. What's saying worry is a waste of time and worry ain't worth it. What it does mean, though, is that when the storms come, in Jesus, we already have everything that we need. And so we've read through this portion of Scripture kind of in blocks. And what I want to do as we end our time together, I want to reread in its entirety verses 25 through 34 over us. But I want you to go ahead and in the stillness and the quiet of this moment, I would love for you just to close your eyes and to, to get quiet and still before the Lord. Each one of us is carrying some sort of worry. Maybe it's multiple worries. Something that's bearing heavy on your heart, heavy on your soul. It might be something new. It might be something you've carried for a very long time. You're at your end of self-dependence and self-reliance. 
you are pleading and crying out and wondering, God, where are you? What do I do? And in this moment, I want you to press into what the Holy Spirit has to say. I want you to lay up and and offer up that worry as I read Jesus' words over you. This is not me. This is Jesus' words. He says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God, who cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? And what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word, the truth of scripture. God, I pray over each and every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room today. God, whatever worries are on their heart, whatever truth you are trying to plant in their souls, God, I pray that it would take root, that it would grow, it would restore faith, it would renew faith. Lord, may we be people of discipline to take every thought captive, to listen to and believe and trust your words, to not worry. Father, there are real issues, there are real struggles, there's real hurt in this room, and only you have the power to heal, the power to restore, and the power to renew. And so we surrender these worries to you. God, we know that in you we have everything that we need, and you know everything we need. Nothing surprises you. So, Father, I pray that faith would rise up, that testimonies of your goodness and your faithfulness would just pour out of this body. God, knowing that you supply all of our needs, we thank you, Jesus, for your love for us, for your pursuit of us, for your grace that is new and your mercy that is new each and every morning. Lord, bless these brothers and sisters in Christ. God, give them strength as they wait on you, as they renew their hope and fix their eyes on you. God, we thank you and we, we serve you with all that we do. We pour, our, pour out ourselves living sacrifices. We honor you. We bless you, Lord. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.